everybody, and welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour, where we are a mere days away from Eagles training camp opening up and the NFL season getting into full swing. I'm your host, Elgie Harrell, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Connor. Connor, we are right there. We, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. The NFL season is slowly but surely approaching. Yeah, definitely. It's it's. I want to say it's been a long off season, but it really hasn't because sports kind of took a wild turn this year and basketball went later than usual and hockey went later than usual and there's been drafts going on. So, I mean, if all you've been waiting for is football, it's probably been a long wait. But if you enjoy all the other sports, COVID kind of made this uh, football off season a little bit shorter and a lot more interesting. Uh, well, see, while I do watch the other sports, football is number one, will always be number one. And nothing will supplant football for me. So I have been waiting um, ever since the Super Bowl, ever since Tampa defeated Kansas City, um, ever since the draft, ever since free agency opened up, ever since we hired Nick Sirianni. I've been waiting for training camp to get here. Just so, I mean, even if it's just to see what the Eagles offense is going to look like, to see how Sirianni's going to coach, you know, it, <clears throat> excuse me, it, it, it's been a long time coming. And we have a lot, there's a lot of storylines for the Philadelphia Eagles uh, coming into this training camp, whether it's the Zach Ertz situation, which we'll touch upon, the left tackle situation between Dillard, uh, Andre Dillard and Jordan Maialata. Um, again, the offensive line, the health, can they stay healthy? Uh, Jalen Hurts, it will, it, we, we know he's going to be QB1. He just hasn't been named QB1, but like, what's he going to look like? Um, Devontae Smith, like there are so many storylines for the Philadelphia Eagles. I can't wait to get to get going. Uh, I mean, we're we're like, uh, what are we, 10 days away, 11 days away from the first preseason game between Tampa, or excuse me, between Dallas and Pittsburgh in the Hall of Fame game. And then a week later, the Eagles open up their preseason slate. I'm just thrilled. I'm excited. And I can't wait. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, the NFL has definitely kept us busy. If you've been following the NFL and all the news, like beyond just the Eagles storylines, there's so many storylines that, that there's been to follow in the NFL in general, which makes this offseason all that more interesting with like free agency and tra- and uh, and uh tags being put on players long-term extensions happening or not happening the Aaron Rodgers situation um the now Devontae Adams situation it's just been it's all been leading up to it it's like just culminating into this huge climax that's coming in the next couple weeks and I definitely can't wait definitely so we are going to start here at home with the Philadelphia Eagles um we we have the, the there's low expectations. Let me keep it honest. There's low expectations for the Philadelphia Eagles this year. Um, if, if you look at any of these rankings that anybody puts out, the Eagles are at the bottom of almost every list. Um, so coming into the season, there's not going to be that expectation from the outside world where we're expecting them to compete for the division. But obviously here in Philadelphia – as Philadelphia Eagles fans, you know, we're not ones that are going to be like, we're, we're, we're mailing it in this year. We obviously want to see the Eagles compete and try to win the division. Um, and being as though it is the NFC East, and we know what the division looked like last year, this year it'll probably be a little bit better. 
Um, you would have to think with a, with a healthy uh, offensive line for the Eagles, with Dak Prescott coming back, um, you know, a second year under Rivera for the for Washington, a second year under Judge for the Giants. This division should should in theory be better, but obviously you got to play the games. Um, we know what the Eagles' schedule looks like. Their their home schedule is ridiculous. I mean, you got to face Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady. Um, the Saints, the the Chargers, um, <clears throat> along with the division games, and I'm blanking on who the other the other uh, home game is at the, right now. But still, it is going to be a tough season, but it's going to be a fun season, and I'll, I'll continue to say that. Even though expectations are low for the Philadelphia Eagles, we have one thing as a franchise we need to figure out: is Jalen Hurts the guy, or Maybe even before the season starts, do the Eagles make a move? If things get cleared up, say, with Deshaun Watson, and we know Howie always has, always wants to pull a trigger. They have the, the financial – or, excuse me, they have the, the capital, the draft capital, um, and maybe some pieces if you wanted to, to include a Jalen Hurts in a trade. It's possible that the Eagles could make a move to improve the quarterback position because Deshaun Watson is a top-five quarterback in the league. We know what he is right now. Jalen Hurts, we expect possibly him to, to be a, a good quarterback, but we obviously don't know. So there's a lot of storylines, as I mentioned, and it's going to be fun to watch over the next couple of months. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, I think having lower expectations makes it so, like, we can kind of sit back and enjoy this season and watch some of the stuff unfold. I mean, you never want to be a bad team, and if you – I posted a poll on our uh, Twitter page at Kelly Greenhour asking people what they thought of the um, USA Today projections, and they projected us to be three and fourteen. The majority of people, I think it was eighty-six percent, said that's not enough wins. Fourteen percent said it was just about right, um, but nobody was really vouching for the not enough. So at least we we have the expectation we're going to get at least three wins. Seems <laughs> to be the uh, the baseline there. Um, but no, I think that like I mean when you think about that, they had us tied with the Lions and uh, one win ahead of the Texans. And to be quite frank, I think that we have a lot better team than that. I mean, the schedule doesn't favor us at the beginning of the year, but it gets a bit easier at the end of the season. There's a there's I don't I'm not going to say there's the opportunity to make a run or make the playoffs or anything, but there's an opportunity to start really bad, see some of the things we want to see unfold. And then at the end of the season, start to see maybe everything starting to come together, get figuring out the answers to the quarterback position, the wide receiver position, the offensive line. But I mean, if. And is a major if if health is on our side. I think that the Eagles can definitely do definitely far better than three and fourteen. I I see right now I'm on the fringe of six and eleven and seven and ten personally when I think about predict projecting out. But that's not my final projection yet. Obviously, we'll do a show on that a bit later, but closer mm-hmm. to the season. But I mean, if I were to kind of gauge where I'm standing right now, that's about where I'd be right now, and that. I mean, that's with all health things going our way, which obviously it hasn't really gone our way the last three straight seasons, especially along that offensive line. But there's a lot of things that we're just being, you know, we're being overlooked for, which is fine. I think that that's a good thing. And to take that underdog mentality and for Nick Sirianni to use it to his advantage with the new team, um, I'm excited. There's things to look forward to for sure. I agree with you. And 
the one thing you said that we can go into the season with low expectations and kind of have fun. Let's be honest, though. Week one against Atlanta, <clears throat> I don't care how low expectations are. I'm going to be expecting them to win that game, as as I think, you know, I mean, we, we might be a better team than, than the Falcons. Who knows? Who knows? But, like, I'm going to go into every game with the expectation the Eagles are going to play well, and maybe they should win. Obviously, they're not going to go 17-0. It's not going to happen. They're probably not going to finish above 500. But still, I'm still going to be stressed out week in and week out because that's what – we're a football town. You know, football is the, the best sport in, in America. And, you know, being an Eagles fan, that's that's what happens to us. It's a stress life that we live. Definitely. That doesn't change anything. Low expectations, no expectations does not change how we're going to sit there in front of our TVs every Sunday, Monday or Thursday and stress and bite our nails and say, I think we can win this game. It's just in our blood. Definitely is. All right. So training camp kicks off in a couple of days. We talked about the storylines. <clears throat> the big one is Zach Ertz's report in the camp, which I, you know, I think we kind of expected, unless he were to be traded, that he would at least show up. Um, I'm not surprised. And I've always, and I've been steadfast in saying, look, while trading or releasing Ertz will help you financially, especially to bring in, say, a Steven Nelson as a number two corner. I, I don't. I'm not one that would just want to give him away. Um, you know, if you keep him, and just like you know, with Sam Bradford a couple of years ago, you know, the Eagles were able to get a first. And I'm not saying that Eagles are going to get a first round pick for Ertz, but they were able to get a first round pick for Sam Bradford because Minnesota had the Teddy Bridgewater injury. Um, if you know you bring Ertz, Ertz in, he he's playing the good guy role, um, and and a camp elsewhere, a tight end gets hurt, you have the the leverage over that team to get a third or a fourth round pick that you might be looking for right now and not want to give them away. So I think that's smart by Howie to hold out to to hold you know hold on to Ertz and hold out waiting for what you want in a potential trade. Yeah, I mean just kind of like what you said there, like you never know what's gonna happen. Cam Akers tore his Achilles literally uh working out getting ready for the season that's how quickly an injury can happen how and how things can shift and change with teams and say heaven forbid anything happened to like george kittle or travis kelsey or darren waller or a mark andrews or some of those big names where they rely heavily on the tight end they would probably be the first people to pick up the phone and call about Zach Ertz because although, like you said, you're probably not getting a first, you're probably not getting a second, a team that's contending or in contention or is so reliant on that position may look at a third, may look at a fourth, may give you a little bit of value and try and try and just steer the ship in the right direction for a year if if one of their key tight ends or key offensive pieces got injured. Um First of all, I don't believe Eskin in his um, mentality that he, he everything's good and that, that it's what I agree with the and this is weird to say as an Eagles fan. I agree with the national media on this one and the report that came out. I don't know if it was Garofalo or whoever it was that said it's not all, you know, rainbows and sunshines and that there are still things there. I just think Zachary just being the bigger man. He's in a contract year. He's a 31 year old tight end, a 30 year old tight end. He's got a lot to prove this year after a huge down year plagued by that high ankle sprain. Um, 
he he needs to step up. And I mean, when you look at our wide receiving group, you're not going to, I don't see J.J. Ortega Whiteside staying. There's no real big red zone weapon, but then you got Dallas Goddard and you got Zach Ertz. It only bodes well to keep him. The only thing that doesn't bode well for us is the cap situation. Obviously, the cap situation, we would like to free up that $8 million. We would like to be able to offer whatever money to somebody else. Um, but ultimately, I think that, like you said, the ex- like we've been saying, the expectations are really low. And I think if they opened up $8 million, they wouldn't spend that $8 million. They might spend one, might spend $2 million, but they'd probably keep it and try and roll it over and stuff because they, they don't have, like, on the surface, they have a lot of money next season. But it's not as much as people think when you look at all the outgoing free agents that we're about to see. Dallas Goddard's got to get paid. The defensive line has Josh Sweat, uh, Derek Barnett, Brandon Graham all coming up on free agency. So there's a lot of things that you have to worry about and think about when you say, well, we got $50 million of cap space. Any amount of money that they can roll over will be huge, especially in the Zachert situation. But to th- sit there and say, oh, I think a release is still possible. He's not getting released. That Philadelphia has been adamant throughout this whole process that if they can't get a deal done, they're not going to cut him. He's going to stay on the roster because there's no reason to cut him. Zach Ertz is still a really good tight end and a very logical and viable offensive piece, no matter the price tag. And he's got a lot to prove this year. I agree. And the one thing you mentioned, all the other, excuse me, tight end names, you know, Kittle and Waller. What if something happened to Dallas Goddard? Like, mm-hmm. if something were unfortunately to happen to him, you have Zach Ertz. Like, it doesn't it doesn't hurt to have a, a, a at least an Eagles Hall of Fame player and and possibly a Hall of NFL Hall of Fame tight, caliber tight end as as a backup option. Like, so again, you yeah, Richard Rogers him. stepped in admirably last year when mm-hmm. Goddard had his issues and Ertz had his high ankle sprain. But at the end of the day. I would take Zach Ertz if Dallas Goddard, heaven forbid, got hurt or injured in any way over Richard Rodgers. I'm sorry, but Zach Ertz is way better. He's way more viable. I expect it when he plays this year for a bounce back season from Zach Ertz. That was just such an off Especially being in a, in a contract year. Mm-hmm, exactly. He's got too much to prove at the age of 30. He wants to get paid. Obviously, he's not Kittle. Obviously, he's not Waller. Obviously, he's not Kelsey. But I mean, we've seen him get peppered with targets and be an extremely important top five tight end in this league. And tight end is such a volatile position to find good players at. I think this is just a big bounce back year to come and people are just sleeping on Ertz and saying, well, let's cut him and let's get the money and go sign somebody. I don't think that that makes sense for Philadelphia. And I think that Howie knows that. And I think Nick Sirianni knows that they can do more with Zach Ertz than they can do with $8 million come the end of the preseason. Well, I mean, if they, if they were able to get a, a, a viable number two option at the cornerback position, I think that they would do that um, if they had the money available, whether it's Steven Nelson or, or somebody else. So I do think that if that money were made available, you know, there would be made improvements made. Um, and there, that's we don't have say- a viable number two corner right now. It's not Maddox. Mm. It's not Jaquette. Um, like, I don't, I don't see who, who's going to be there to back or to play opposite of Slay. They seem to think it's in-house, but I mean, only the training camp and preseason will be able to somewhat tell us if we're in the right direction or if we're in the right ballpark. But the good thing is at this point, 
and listening to a lot of like NFL radio and, and national radio on series, none of these players are in any rush to sign because they know that injuries are going to happen. So Steven Nelson will wait it out. Although he said, although there are rumors that a decision may be in, in, in coming with him. There's no reason for any of these guys to rush because if an injury happens, you just went from a $3 million or a veterans minimum with a whole bunch of potential incentives on your contract to being a four or $5 million guaranteed player because they just said there's a team just said their CB one go down or a team just said their wide receiver one or two go down. Like these guys are in no rush to sign in free agency because injuries are going to happen. Things are going to come up. And they're going to be able to get a lot more money if they wait out the process. And even though it sucks that they may have to wait it out right into week one or the early part of the season. Um, but, I mean, it, it's it's tough to say what, what Philly's going to do. I don't think that they would take that money and spend it. I think they they believe they have a lot of young weapons inside at in all areas and all facets of the game that they want to use and they want to see what they have before they go out and get a guy like Steven Nelson in a year that basically it almost feels like Philly's not writing it off but they're not saying well we're a Super Bowl contender let's go buy up all these pieces so it'll be interesting to see what they do as the preseason comes as training camp comes and if no one really does pan out at the cornerback position and some other positions like wide receiver and stuff. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. So we let's focus on the offensive side of the ball for the Eagles. Let, let's do our, you know, training camp, preseason depth chart on the offensive side of the ball. Um, we'll start with the quarterback position, obviously. Um, J- Jalen Hurts, um, Nick, or Jalen Hurts, Joe Flacco, and Nick Mullins are going to make the team. Um, I'm, I'm sure that they're going to keep it at, Three, um, because when you have a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, who likes to move around, run around, the potential for injury is definitely there. Um, Joe Flacco, a viable veteran backup, and then Nick Mullins, who can run, probably run the type of offense, the same offense that Jalen Hurts is going to run. Am I wrong in thinking that? And do you see somebody else maybe Mm. making, making the team or... Um, Is it going to be those three? I'm going to say no. I don't see anybody else coming in. I don't see them in any rush. I mean, the only thing we can assume is is if a trade happens. And at this point, we're just looking at the depth chart that's in front of us and looking at the players that we have at our disposal. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, we, it, you know, if, say, everything clears up with Deshaun Watson um, and the Eagles go in for Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson will be the QB1 as long as the league doesn't suspend him or anything after everything happens. Um, but yeah, Jalen Hurts, Joe Flacco, Nick Mullins, I see them all making it. Flacco's that veteran in the room, like you said. Uh, Nick Mullins is that guy who, if Jalen Hurts went down, I think Nick Mullins would play over Joe Flacco. I almost am convinced Joe Flacco's just a third-string veteran guy, kind of like Josh McCowan was in the prior years and stuff, that's just kind of there to keep the room gelling and keep the room going forward and just given that presence of of being able to support basically a glorified coach, I would see as more for Joe Flacco, whereas Nick Mullins and Jalen Hurts can run that similar offense if anything would have happened with Jalen Hurts. Let's move to the running back position. Uh, Miles Sanders, definitely the number one. Um, <clears throat> behind him is where it gets interesting. Um, Boston Scott has only plays well against the Giants. <laughs> on Johnson, who they got from the Lions. Um, Oh, excuse me. 
Um, who else? What the heck? I'm blanking all of a sudden. Um, uh, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Jason Huntley, Carrion Johnson, Jordan Howard, Kenneth Gainwell, Elijah Holyfield, and Adrian geez. Killens are who <laughs> they go into camp with right now. Well, I, okay, so Kenneth Gainwell, I think, is going to make the team. So uh, Miles Sanders is number one. Legit, they're gonna they're gonna ride him. Um, <clears throat> number two is again, like I said, that gets interesting. Gainwell, I don't know if he'll be the number two back, but he has a chance to be on the field on third down with what he's able to do. Um, if he's able to do what he did in college, mm-hmm. um, carry on Johnson. If he can prove that he's healthy, who knows? Um, and Jordan Howard is. Not- He's still young, and he, we know he, the production he had with Chicago, but he he got he got wrote a lot. Like he he was mm-hmm. given the ball a lot. Maybe he's, there's a lot of wear and tear there. You know, what what are your thoughts on, on the running back position? I think we keep four, mm, and okay. I think it's Miles Sanders, it's Kenneth Gainwell, it's Carryon Johnson, and it's Boston Scott. Um, Boston Scott, as much as we hate it, he brings, you know, that flexibility as a kick returner, pump returner. Sometimes he has his moments. Yes, he can be a spotty returner, a frustrating returner, but it makes it so you don't have to put Jalen Reger in a position that he might get injured or somebody else who you may not want to put out there. Boston Scott can be a disposable piece on special teams, and we know that he can reliably step in when he needs to step in, even just as maybe a third down back. Um, One thing we're starting to learn about Nick Sirianni is it sounds like he plans to run a very similar offense to what was in Indianapolis, where the running backs all had very specific roles. Mm -hmm. Kenneth Gainwell being your pass catching back, Miles Sanders being your bell cow, you know, early down work back, Kerryon Johnson being an incredible pass blocker and pass protector, being, you know, playing that role in passing situations or RPO situations where you might be more option to the run. Um, so I think we keep four for that reason. It allows Nick Sirianni to have a very, you know, open backfield where he can shift people in and out based on situational aspects of the game. And the other guys just don't stand out to me. Jason Huntley's had his chance. Adrian Killens hasn't been able to be anything more than practice squad. Elijah Holyfield, same thing. And Jordan Howard, I just don't. If you're going to keep a veteran or a young guy, like a young running back who's proven some sem- semblance of reliability from time to time, I take care on Johnson over Jordan Howard just for that pass block and ability. He's just so good in the pass block, pass protection game that I just feel like that's an invaluable asset, especially in a Nick Sirianni offense. Yeah, that all makes sense. Um, you know, you, Miles Sanders could be Jonathan Taylor. Kenneth Gainwell could be... Naheem Hines. Naheem Hines. And Karrion Johnson will be Marlon Mack. Or Jordan Wilkins of last year. But yeah, some reminiscent, yeah. Similar yeah. role, probably. And, and that's kind of what we all anticipated. Um, let's go to the to the wide receivers. <clears throat> Devontae Smith, definitely on the team. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager, um, Greg Ward. Hmm. There's three. You mentioned J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. I don't see him making the team. That's just me. Um, Quez Watkins, John Quez Hightower. Quez Watkins, John um, Hightower. Quez Watkins, who actually, when he had the opportunity, he um he played pretty well. Like he he's, mm-hmm. he definitely has some talent. Um, so so he he has a chance. 
um, John Hightower. So there are a lot. This is another spot like where we have a lot of quantity, but very little quality. Um, we know Devontae Smith is going to be quality. He, he just gets open. Um, there's a lot of love for, for what he can do. Jalen Rager, last year's first-round pick, he's going to make the team. Uh, Greg Ward was, mm-hmm. has been the best receiver over the last couple of years for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, I, I, I don't see why he wouldn't make the team. Then beyond that is where, do they keep five? Do they keep six? Um, are we going to see somebody that's not, not on the team come in to provide some you know, veteran leadership? That's where I think the questions come into play. Yeah, I mean, the only other players looking at the depth chart here is uh, Jamon Osmond was brought in as a UDFA, Michael Walker, and like you said, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, which those guys are just camp bodies at this point. Um, I think presently looking at this, they keep six, and I go with the names you named, Fulgham, Rager, Smith, Ward, Hightower, and Watkins. Like you said, Watkins proved extremely reliable uh travis fulgham will be your best 50 50 contested catch you know big man wide receiver he'd probably be the only one of the six uh jalen Rager to the slot greg ward the secondary slot option quez Watkins can play outside he can play inside john howard hightower can play outside he was pretty spotty had some pretty rough had some really great moments had some really ugly drops and some ugly moments as well and devonta smith is a clear cut Wherever you want to put him, X, Z, slot, wherever he fits in for the offense, he's probably never going to leave the field for the offense. Um, But I see them keeping six unless something extremely dramatic happens in camp. But I don't see there being enough, you know, quality in keeping five. I think the quantity needs to stay and you you need to have the six to have these different options in your offense, because if you cut it to five, I just don't think that's enough wide receivers. Yeah, I agree. And again, I'm still of the point, maybe a veteran gets, gets cut in camp or become, it becomes available that could help the team. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, especially in the locker room. So I'm, I'm with you there. Move the tight ends. I think this is simple. Dallas Goddard, um, Richard Rogers, and I'm still with Zach Ertz. I think at least to start the season, Zach Ertz is going to be, is going to be on the roster. Um, I mean, they have a couple other guys, Caleb Wilson, Jason Kroon, Hakeem Butler, Tyree Jackson. It's going to be tough for them to crack, crack the lineup and Jack Stahl um, crack to, excuse me, crack the roster. The only way would be if Zach Ertz gets traded and then somebody mm-hmm. else, they'll, they'll need a third. Dallas Goddard and Richard Rogers are 100% on the roster. It's, will the third one be Zach Ertz? Will he be here or will it be somebody else? Definitely. No, I agree with that. Like we said earlier in the show, Richard Rogers stepped in admirably. Um, he was better than Zacherts last season, but obviously Zacherts was dealing with the high ankle sprain. And we know that some players have a lot of issues with those. But yeah, it's simple. It's it's, it's Goddard. He's going to get his extension before the season's in. I'm certain of it. And then you got Richard Rogers. Some of them you could keep on you know the practice squad like a guy mm-hmm. like Tyree Jackson Tyree Jackson I think still has eligibility to be on the practice squad Jack Stoll although he's more of a pass block and tight end he can still end up uh he could end up on the roster as the third one maybe because of that pass protection ability um and then Hakeem Butler might be eligible to be on the practice squad I can't I don't know 100% for sure but I mean that just depends on camp and what you see out of those guys but i mean 
like one of those guys would have to take a massive step forward and Ertz would have to end up being traded or being dealt in some way for one of them to make the roster. So definitely agree. Same three as last year. Mm -hmm. And to the offensive line, I think the starters are going to be Jordan Maialata, Isaac Sayamalu, Jason Kelsey, Brandon Brooks, Lane Johnson. There's your starting five. Then the question becomes, do you keep an extra four, an extra five, extra three? Um, Landon Dickerson, Definitely, I think he'll be on the roster. Andre Dillard, Jack Driscoll, Nate Herbig. There, I, I think those nine right there are definite. The question becomes, do they keep a 10th? Sua Opeta, Matt Pryor, Brett Toth, Luke Jiraga, Kayata, Oasika, <laughs> Casey Tucker, Ross Piersbacher, who I actually think has a shot to make the roster, Harry Kreider, and LaRaven Clark. Um, again, a lot of names. We do know when healthy, the Eagles have one of the better offensive lines in the football, but they are getting up there in age. Um, but this is where the Jordan Maialata, Landon Dickerson, Andre Dillard, Jack Driscoll, Nate Herbig, all them guys having, well, not counting Landon Dickerson because uh, he was in college last year, and Dillard because he was hurt all the last year. But because of the injuries the Eagles sustained last year and having to play 14 different combinations in 16 games, they got a lot of depth because they got a lot of playing time. And mm -hmm. I think Jack Driscoll could be good. Nate Herbert could be good. Possibility of a Matt Pryor, maybe he could be good. Um, you know, there's a lot of names, a lot of guys that have had playing time. Who knows what can happen? But if they can stay healthy, this is going to be the strength of the team. Absolutely. No, I, I think we agree there on the front five. I don't think that I think my lot of deserves to be the start, starter. I think he proved more reliable last year in his first full year playing than Andre Dillard did in his first full year playing. And Andre Dillard has played the left tackle position all through college. So that speaks volumes to the work ethic of Jordan Mailata and to the capabilities of Jordan Mailata, especially uh, with the offensive line coach that we have. Um, I think a big question comes to, because it's kind of been talked about, does Landon Dickerson make the active day roster or do they injury designate Landon Dickerson and kind mm -hmm. of give him the redshirt rookie season because that creates a whole nother discussion. Um, but I mean, if we assume he makes a roster, I think they keep 10, but I think they keep 10 no matter what, after what we saw last season, I think there's no doubt in my mind they keep 10 and there's a lot of those guys that they can still put away on the practice squad like Kyota Wusika played I think all five positions along the offensive line in college and we know how important you know that versatility is um, for the Eagles offensive line the more positions you play the better the more willing you are to play other positions the more likely you are to stay on the team um, so I think you keep Dillard, Samalu, Kelsey Brooks, Johnson, Driscoll, Herbig, Pryor, Dickerson, and Mylotta. And then after that, I mean, unless something big happens, maybe Andre Dillard gets dealt. I mean, if, say, you know, we go after um, Deshaun Watson, a guy like Andre Dillard becomes very intriguing. A guy like Derek Barnett becomes very intriguing as a piece to throw in. You know, maybe two first-rounders, three first-rounders, whatever, and Dillard or Barnett and Jalen Hurts, of course, because you probably have to give up a quarterback. Um so something like that could be the package that creates a Deshaun Watson deal. So you never know what might happen, but there is a lot of question marks there. Um, 
it, would Dillard be a part of a deal? Will Dickerson be redshirted this year? There's a few question marks, but I think the mainstay is I think they have their, their main five, their front five. And like you said, health. We need them to stay healthy. We need them to be healthy. And we need them to all be playing at their top level. And if, if so, their top 10 offensive line, easy, maybe even top five. I mean, we haven't really seen Jordan Mailata paired with Sam Alu, Kelsey Brooks, and Johnson all together. We haven't at all because Brooks didn't play at all last season. So that's the big question mark there. Um, if you add Jordan Mailata into this mix and they can all stay consistently healthy, how good can this offensive line really be? Definitely agree with that. The health is, is number one key for this Philadelphia Eagles team, um, especially on the offensive line. <clears throat> Excuse me. So if, if they can do it, if, if they can stay healthy and protect Jalen Hurts and open up holes for um, for Miles Sanders in, in the running game, should, they have a chance to surprise a lot of people, um, <laughs> especially like nationwide. Like the, and it, around the division, around the league, um, national media and all that. Um, obviously, our expectations are kind of low at this point, but even if they're low, still going in, hoping that the Eagles are able to to surprise a lot of people. Um, so that is the offensive depth chart that we have. Next time we, we, we come back with you, we're going to do the defensive side of the football. And, you know, th- th- there'll definitely be a lot of intrigue. We know the strength is the front, the front four. <laughs> this is where we got to figure out what they're going to do in the secondary, especially at uh, CB2. Um, there are a couple other things that we wanted to discuss, um, and not necessarily Eagles related, but kind of the NFL, around the NFL. First, the memo that was sent out by the NFL that if there is a COVID outbreak this year among unvaccinated players, and there are still some, um, you know, Cole Beasley, DeAndre Hopkins, they're, they're all, you know, of the, the ilk of they, they don't want to, they just don't want to get vaccinated. And Cole Beasley is one that is not shy about talking about it. But if there is an outbreak, teams could be, Forced to forfeit, and I don't remember. I don't know if it's ever happened that teams have had to forfeit games in the NFL, um, and, and and unvaccinated players if they're caught, you know, not following the rules for unvaccinated players because there are a couple of set rules. You know, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. You can you can, um, you know, get together with your teammates, whether it's in the weight room, lunch room, in the facility. But if you're unvaccinated, you have to wear a mask. You still have to social distance, this, that, and a third. You're going to be fined, I think, four, over $14,000. And, you know, uh, Bruce Arians came out earlier this week saying, on the spot, I don't care. You're going to get fined, no warning, nothing whatsoever. I agree with that. Like, just get vaccinated. I, I you know, unless there is a health thing where you, you're just not able to, I don't see the harm. I've gotten vaccinated. Nothing's happened to me. A lot, uh, most of my family's gotten vaccinated. Nothing's happened to them. You know, you, you're, you're being selfish, I think, if you're not going to get vaccinated. Now, maybe that's a selfish and a negative take for me, but that's, that's how I feel about the situation. Yeah, I mean, this becomes very can become very political because there's a lot of yeah. people who say, oh, it's, it's, you know, my human right to choice and stuff. Well, mm-hmm. it's everybody's human right to safety and to feel safe as well. So, I mean, people are like, oh, you can't say I can't come to a football game because of the 
technically they could stadiums can do what they want mm-hmm. teams can do what they want if they feel yes you have your right you have your freedom to make a decision which i 100 percent agree with everyone should have their freedom but organizations companies leagues a league that lost three billion dollars in revenue last year mm-hmm. teams that lost hundreds of million dollars in revenue last year can have their freedom of choice as well they have their freedom to basically without saying you have to get vaccinated say you should get vaccinated mm-hmm. highly recommended like extremely mm-hmm. highly recommended <clears throat> i understand you know it's still like it, it never got full like you know the fda approval it didn't go through the full 10-year fda approval process and and all this and a lot of people see it as a science experiment or whatever um but i mean my only issue with the the nfl's stance on it is how do you know? Because you can still get COVID if you have a vaccine. Mm-hmm. So my issue is, what if it's not the fault of an unvaccinated player that a breakout starts mm-hmm. and you're going to hold the unvaccinated person responsible, even though it might be the vaccinated player? It's a super, I find it very gray. There's a very gray area. I completely agree on the stance of if you don't get vaccinated, you're wearing a mask. You're doing your six feet physical distancing. You're going to wash your hands constantly, which you should be anyways. Like, mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. I agree with that stance. And if anybody argues against that stance, it's a it's a shame. But you, that's it's too blatantly obvious that you need to follow those rules if you're not going to get vaccinated. I think even if you are vaccinated, you should be following those rules, especially if you're in that close of contact with people all the time. I just think it's very gray. There's a very gray area with all of this. It can get very politically charged. It can get very personally charged. And I just think the whole, the fact that vaccinated players can still get it, you can't take the stance the NFL took without a if and but scenario for the vaccinated players who might get it. Yeah. I, I think it's too wide open, it's too gray, and I get the rage and the anger coming from some of the people. But this does change things big time when you look at rosters. Because if you're a fringe roster guy, like, no offense to Cole Beasley, but on that Buffalo team, he can be a fringe roster guy. And oh, you yeah. could be cut because you didn't get vaccinated. Oh, yeah. Like, that's as simple, <clears throat> that's as, and as simple as it is. There was a report, I saw something on, <clears throat> excuse me, on Twitter yesterday where... An agency said that one of their one of the players that they represent, um, you know, a team called about him wanting to bring him in for a tryout. And when mm. they asked if he was vaccinated, they said no. They were like, oh, we're going to go in a different direction. You, you're right. Like, it might not matter for the top tier guys like a DeAndre Hopkins. Um, you know, it, he, he doesn't want to get vaccinated. You know, he's not he's not in fear of getting cut. By, by the Arizona Cardinals. But if you're a fringe guy, like you mentioned, you know, Cole Beasley may be a fringe guy. Um, but if you're somebody who is on the the back end of a, of a roster, it would be prudent for you to, you know, get vaccinated. Because if you get vaccinated, if you're not vaccinated, you're probably going to be one of the first ones cut or be, 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 be on that cut line. So it'll be definitely be interesting what happens going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, if the Eagles, or not even just the Eagles, but players around the league, are they going to take it seriously? Are they going to, or are they going to call the NFL's bluff and be like, we'll see about, you know, forfeits and whatnot? 
I do I do agree to the personal choice and everything, but I think that you know if you're gonna take the stance it's a personal choice, do remember it is a personal choice of the league, the team, the coaches around you, your manager, the players around you. If something happens that you don't make the team, if something happens that you're out of a job now, no, they can't make you. But I think it's important that when people make the dead, the point of it's my choice, it is equally the choice of everybody else around you. What ends up being the final impact on you and on the team, because a team is not going to take one. One loss can be massive. A team is not willing to take the forfeiture if you're one of two or three players who is standing there stopping a team from getting their 100% vaccinated, I am Mm -hmm. certain they will take the public backlash of cutting you over one loss, maybe two losses. Who knows how many losses it could be. But that can be huge for certain teams. And now that we have a 17-game schedule, who knows, it could be even bigger, especially um, with less preseason to work with. And stuff, you just never know, like, how big that one game is going to be. Um, but I do think that it it is definitely comes down to a personal stance. But do remember, your personal stance is equally the personal stance that can be debated by teams, league, and players and coaches around you. So that that's my stance I, on it. Not saying they, they need to or that they have to. I don't think anyone has to do anything that they don't want to do. But I do think that if they're going to take a specific stance, remember that it's fair for other people to take that same stance against you. Yeah, def- I agree with you there. I mean, it is a personal choice. But like it, one of the other things I kind of want to I want to say before before we end this is like do it for your if you're not going to do it for yourself, do it for your family. Like there could be members of your family that can be affected by this. There could be friends of, of family that can be affected by this. So like if you're not going to do it for yourself look out for others around you for your loved ones that potentially could be saved by you getting it. So we'll see what happens with this and see how, if the NFL really is going to go forward with it, but it definitely will be interesting. Um, The one, the final thing is Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. I don't know if you saw, you saw the post. They both put the, if if you remember the last dance with the Chicago bulls, there was a picture of Michael Jordan and Scotty Pippen. And they both put that same picture up on their Instagrams at the same time and kind of insinuating that, look, this is our last dance. Contract talks broke up between Devontae Adams and the Packers. We know what Aaron Rodgers wants to be traded or wants a new contract. Apparently there was a report he's looking for 90 million fully guaranteed over the next two years. Um, And then there are a bunch of sports books that took the Packers win total down and, you know, the, the betting favorite is he's going to retire next week. Personally, I don't think he's going to retire. We talked about this the other day uh, as we were preparing for the show. $38 million Aaron Rodgers would have to give back. I don't know if he's prepared to do that. Well, look, he makes a great living. And we've seen what he's done, done this offseason, getting engaged, hosting Jeopardy. He's, he's really enjoyed life this offseason. But I don't know if he's going to enjoy it that much if he had to give back $38 million. Personally, I think Aaron Rodgers is coming back. Um, you know, he'll be at training camp when it opens up. You know, he'll be there. I think he's going to play for the Packers unless, the say, the Denver Broncos put forth a 
trade trade package that Green Bay can't say no to. But I do think Aaron Rodgers is at least going to play one more year, um, and I think it will be with the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty much you know done with the Aaron Rodgers situation in regards to play or don't play or or you know make the whatever decision you want to make maybe it's a, maybe for it's your a life. Didn't Favre go through that? <laughs> Favre went through it, but there seems to be a lot of um, resentment awesome. within that organization um, towards this manager. And I feel so bad for this dude. I mean, he is he is making some pretty idiotic moves. The fact that you won't recognize DeAndre Hopkins' deal in a negotiation with Devontae Adams just speaks to how oblivious this manager is. Um, Devontae Adams certainly has every right to sit there and say, that's a starting point. This is where we're going to start talking. And if you're going to sit there and say, well, here's the door. Don't let it hit you on the way out. I won't recognize that contract in this negotiation. That's just... To get to this point in your career and to start watching everything crumble around you as a manager, that must just hurt. To know that your key, your star players want you fired because of some decisions you made and stuff like this must just purely suck. Like, I know I posted a tweet through the Kelly Green Hour Twitter and I said, like, I don't envy this situation. And there's a couple people who said, well, look at our situation. It's no better. We didn't have Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. We had Carson Wentz, who everyone was ready to count out. And we had Doug Peterson, who game in and game out faced massive, massive flack from the fans for, you're a born play caller, you didn't give Miles Sanders a ball 20 times. So these situations are not comparable. These are two Hall of Famers that you are completely destroying a situation with. Two guys who make or break your offense. No doubt make or break your offense. And if Aaron Jones knew this was going to happen, I bet he would never have signed that extension at the start of this offseason. Um, Probably not. <laughs> but, like, we got Carson Wentz. Not going to be a Hall of Famer, not yet. At least he needs to turn his career around big time. And Doug Peterson, who may never coach in the NFL again. Not even a comparable situation. So, for like... I just feel so bad for this manager and the situation that he's created. And I mean, if it's true that they offered um, Aaron Rodgers a two year contract that would have made him the highest paid player in the entire NFL and he turned it down, I wouldn't be su surprised if he doesn't show up. I don't think he will. I, I actually agree. I don't think I, I disagree with you. I don't think he will show up. I don't think he's going to play. I think he's created this drama, but I think like, he knows he's not going to get fined. If he's so, like, you know, you don't show up, you can get fined. Green Bay's not going to doll out these fines. They're not going to do anything because they know that it's a delicate situation and they don't want to make it any worse than it already is. It's basically babysitting with Aaron Rodgers right now, and I'm done with it. Announce your retirement or play football. Either way, it's just so conceited. It's just so annoying. It's just so self-serving. And I mean, at the end of the day, is a manager an idiot? I don't like him. Um, is Aaron Rodgers a drama queen? Absolutely. Is this situation comparable to Brett Favre? Oh, 100%, despite the people may not think it is. If it's not becoming more and more apparent that it's basically the same situation, you're, you're blind. You, you weren't watching football when the Brett Favre situation happened. It's just an all-out ugly situation, but I don't think he takes another snap for Green Bay. Yeah, I'm. I'm still. I mean, 
a lot of people, <clears throat> you know, if you play a sport, like especially like football, you get that itch that that you want to like. So maybe throughout this entire offseason, while he was doing Jeopardy and while he was out with his fiance and 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 whatnot, maybe he really wasn't the the, the thought in his head was, yeah, I'm going to retire. But when you get close to training camp, get close to the season starting, that's when your competitive juices start flowing. That's when you get that itch to start to want to play. And maybe that's kind of, that is what's going to happen to him. Who knows? But I'm going to turn this kind of towards an Eagles thing. If you're Howie Roseman, do you call the Packers and say, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, where do we start? You got three potential first-round picks next year. I would say Jalen Hurts, but they have Jordan Love who they like a lot. So maybe they wouldn't take um, – And I feel like Jordan Love's like – Jordan Love and Jalen Hurts are equally projects. Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard. Like, you can't, you'd want like a sure thing starter back. That's why I'm not 100% sold that Jalen Hurts would be the, I want that quarterback. Yeah. And also, I'm assuming they would ask for Devontae Smith if they're, if you're asking for Devontae Adams. Um, so, like, if, if you're, if you're Howie Roseman, do you give up your first rounder next year, the Miami first rounder next year, the Colts conditional second? plus Devontae and maybe another picker player if needed, if you throw in a, maybe a Derek Burnett or something like that, because I think they need help on the road. They, they play a three-four, so I don't know. But, like, that, that's where my, my mind is right now. From an Eagles point of view, it, if you're not calling, you're not doing your job. And then that's where you just figure out, you know, what, what would it take to get an Aaron Rodgers or a Devontae, and a Devontae Adams if, you know, Green Bay, if they're unhappy in Green Bay and, and instead of losing them next year for nothing, maybe you get them, you're, you're able to, to get them for something. Personally, I would take, I mean, I'll, I'll flip it back to you after, but personally, I would take Deshaun Watson to Aaron Rodgers. Just as a starting point, I would rather Deshaun Watson. So if you're calling, I'm calling about Devontae Adams, not Aaron Rodgers. Um, Aaron Rodgers wants a new contract. He wants more money. Deshaun Watson's under contract. You already, you already kind of know what you're paying out over the next few years. And if I can keep Devontae Smith in house, you got to keep Devontae Smith. You can't just because you're giving up the, just because you're getting Devontae Adams. I think you have to keep Devontae Smith in house. I think you got to say, how about Jalen Rager? How about Derek Barnett? Throw in a couple more players if it means getting the radar off of Devontae Smith. Because you, our wide receiving core has been terrible for the last like, what, five years, six years now. We haven't, like, we haven't had a thousand yard receiver, wide receiver in like five years. You got to turn that radar far away from Devonta Smith, and you got to get your opportunity to build this great offense. I agree, you would not be doing your job properly if you didn't pick up the phone and call. I just don't know if I'd call for both of them. I think I would call with every intent of figuring out how to improve. And when you look at the situation, you might get three more years, four more years out of you know Aaron Rodgers. You never know. 
he's getting older, he's getting up there, he wants a new contract, you're going to end up having to pay this guy probably $50 million a year with his next contract. Do you really want to do that? Or do you want to go and get Deshaun Watson, who's under contract, then you get Devontae Adams, and then you can negotiate a new mega contract with him uh, to become your wide receiver one and keep Devonta Smith around. I mean, it would take a lot of salary cap moving around, a lot of pieces moving around. We probably wouldn't have a first round pick for the next two or three years. But I mean, if you get like, Deshaun Watson and Devontae Adams in your offense is just a whole nother beast especially with the offensive line and Miles Sanders and Dallas Goddard um I mean it would definitely take some work I I have no doubts in my mind it would take some work and it's a dream uh, that we all wish would happen and likely won't happen but we do like you see the national media say it all the time we do have the firepower from a picks perspective to make almost any deal happen that we want if we want a quarterback. If we want Deshaun Watson, if we want Aaron Rodgers, if we want a big name, we have the pieces in play. We have three, at least two first-rounders for sure. And if somebody wants to take the risk on the Indianapolis Colts pick, there could be three. Or we could keep the Colts pick and send our 2023 first-rounder. Then they still get three first-rounders, a sure thing first-rounders. Um but yeah, you, you're 100% right, and you wouldn't be doing your homework if you didn't make the call, if you didn't see what type, what they were asking for. And the Green Bay Packers would be completely ridiculous not to answer the phone and see what they can get in return, because at this point, they're risking losing Aaron Rodgers for literally nothing. Zero. If he retires, they get he's he writes a check for $38 million. Here you go, walks away, and you get nothing in return. So you wouldn't be doing your homework if you weren't the Green Bay Packers management right now answering every damn phone call about anybody. Yeah, I agree with you. It is hypothetical. That's why that's why I asked. And I I think I'm with you. I would take Deshaun Watson because he's more of a he's 20 what five, 24, 25, 26, and under contract for what, and under five contract more years, for the next five or six years. Um, the only thing is he would have to be. Um, you know, the cases that are – that would have to be taken care of before I would make any trade. Once that's taken care of, he, you know, whether it, it, it's by settlement or whether they all go away somehow, then is that's when I would make the, the Deshaun Watson move. Um, so I do agree with you. But, like, you're right. If you if you were able to add a Deshaun Watson and a Devontae Adams with a Devontae Smith and Miles Sanders, this offensive line, we would instantly have the best offense in the NFC East instantly have the best offense in the NFCs. And that would change expectations a hundredfold here in Philadelphia if they were able to make two, those two moves. And I think, but I mean, I think like it would signal a major shift on the defensive side of the ball because there's no way you're bringing Barnett, Graham, Cox, everybody back well, again. So it would definitely signal back. a shift on that side. I wouldn't bring Barnett back. Graham, I think think he's probably going to retire soon within the next two years possibly um um you think ronnie mcleod this is probably his last year here um fletcher cox is the is is where that is is the question mark because he makes a lot of money and he's still under contract for what the next three years two i think it's two years but we're paying him over four there's the void years and you know it accelerates back depending on what we decide to do so 
But also, two years to, for sure. But yeah. I mean, the guy at that point's thirty, what, thirty-two, thirty-three years old. So is it the, sa- the salary cap is going to go up over the next couple of years? Um, mm-hmm. So that that could also help. But you would have your quarterback under contract. You have, you'd think you would have your running back under contract um, within the next couple of years. You'd have you'd have to give if you were to trade for say Devontae Adams, you would you would have to give um, him another contract. But you'd have him and Devontae Smith like. So the the offense would be set up. They would, if you would you're right though, it would be the change in the guard on the defensive side of the ball, uh, where they'd have to get younger, which they have to get younger anyway. Definitely. And and before we wrap this episode up, I did just see some breaking news. Deshaun Watson will report yep. to training camp yep. because he doesn't want to face fifty thousand dollar a day fine for not showing up. And I'm sure he though. has plans with that money that he's trying not to pay out in <laughs> fines to the team. I mean, you know, I think it's quite obvious he's working out a settlement and he's trying yeah. to get things solved. And then at that point, it's leave it to the league. Are you going to give him like, you know, an eight game suspension or are you just going to say he he figured his situation out? It never went to become a police investigation. So if it didn't get that far, why should we investigate? Let's let him play his football. Tough, tough to say, because we all know um Roger Goodell and the NFL love to investigate and make their own decisions Mm -hmm. on the punishments of players. So tough to say what will happen there. But it does point out in the report, the trade request remains. Nothing changes on that front. And there's no anticipation of him being a Texan this season. So we'll see how things continue to shake out with Deshaun Watson. And definitely we'll do a breaking news episode if it happens. Do I believe Howard Eskin when he says... 90% 90% chance no because I believe that's more of a personal take than a well-researched take on the whole situation I think he's just saying we have the assets we have the pieces as soon as that situation solved how he's calling and he's gonna make the best offer of any team that's why I think Howard Eskins has a stance that he has it's not a sourced 90% it's a we have the assets we have the pieces it's gonna happen if if he figures the situation out um, I agree. I don't believe I don't believe more than half the stuff that Howard Eskin says anyway. Yeah, like I, at this point, it's like you look at the Philadelphia media. They're the people who are chasing people out of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Why would we believe you saying there's a 90 percent chance of this or there's this? And then he says the Earth's thing. And then a reputable national media member says things aren't fully good here. It's just Ertz being the bigger man showing up to camp and knowing he has to do it. He needs to do it because it's a big year for him. So, I mean, do we have the assets? Do we have the pieces? 100%. Jalen Hurts and three first rounders or some sort of dangling that in front of the Houston Texans. They're they're in a rebuild and Deshaun Watson wants nothing to do with them. So easy, easy negotiation for Howie, I think. Agreed. And while him coming here, people might think that this, this is also a rebuild. But you bring him here, he's instantly the best quarterback in the division. And the offense becomes one of the best offenses in the division, in an easier division than the AFC South, I think. So they have a potential, the chance to win it and um, make the playoffs. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. And, you're, and, and as you said, if, if, if any move is made, whether it's on the Deshaun Watson front or any other front that could potentially impact the Eagles, um, you know, this season, especially uh, as we go into training camp. And towards the preseason, we will definitely have have a breaking news episode. So thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at 
Kelly Greenhour. You can follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. That's Connor T-E-N. And follow me on Twitter at LJHarrell54. If, you, if there's any topics you would like us to discuss, feel free to, to hit us up in our, our DMs. <clears throat> also, Connor, if you want to um, talk about where you, you do your writing with the Philly sports guys. Yeah, definitely. So shout out to our partners, uh, Sports Talk Philly at yep. Sports Talk PHL or Sports Talk Philly.com. Um, you can get all the 4 for 4 Philly content there, including Eagles content, Eagles podcast, writing, and uh, among many other things. It's a great group of guys there, and they're doing some really good work. So we are proud to be partnered with those guys. We're definitely going to have to get one, uh, get somebody from there to, to come on with us. Um, during training camp and, and into the preseason just to get their thoughts. It's always nice to have somebody else's thoughts um, as we discuss. Sometimes you don't want to always listen to the same two people bicker back and forth, you know what I mean? <laughs> definitely, definitely. All right, thank you, Connor. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Please rate and review the show wherever you are listening to us, and we'll be back next time here on the Kelly Green Hour. 